Hello, and welcome to Design is Everywhere, the new weekly podcast from the Design Museum. It's Thursday, July 2nd. I'm your host, Sam Aquilano, founder and executive director of the museum, and I'm joined by your other host, our amazing vice president, Liz Pollack. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sam. All right, listeners, while you're listening to this, Liz and I are on vacation, in quotes. It is summer. So, Liz, you got any fun plans for your week off? Yeah, great question. I think I'm going to stay local, but luckily I think we're going to do a lot of time uh, swimming and laying low. What about you? I haven't left my town in three months. And so my town is very small, um, but I'm still looking forward to a week off to spend time with the kids. And uh, I love 4th of July, so that's coming up. You know, maybe there'll be some fireworks. I don't know, but definitely uh, doing some grilling and generally... uh, spending time in my garden, of course. So I'm looking forward to all that. I love that. Yeah, this week we're talking about the design of communities, which is something near and dear to our hearts at the Design Museum because we're all about community and bringing people together around design. Like anything, you can be intentional about designing, creating, maintaining, and even growing community. And as we've learned from one of our recent events with Open Source Wellness, being part of a community is actually good for your mental and physical health. So today, we'll learn about the importance of and how to design communities. We have a special guest co-host. She's a longtime supporter of the Design Museum, and she's going to help us navigate this. Sarah Siegel is a community builder and thinks a lot about this topic. She's an advisor and investor at Rev Boston. So we'll chat with Sarah. And then Sarah, Liz, and I will interview Sasha Mombarts. He's the founder and design director at the Office for Visual Affairs. And he's the co-author of the Community Canvas, which is a framework for building meaningful communities. Plus, we'll have our weekly dose of good design. But first, Liz, what's happening at the Design Museum? Yeah, so as you've mentioned before, the summer issue of Design Museum Magazine is out. We've posted one of the full articles online. It's titled Lessons Learned from Quarantine by Tracy DuPont and Jane Byrne from PCA. They write about what happens when work, life, and play all collide in the same place, which is true for a lot of us right now. You can read their whole piece. It's on the front page of the website. Just scroll down to our magazine section. We also have two live events coming up. We have How to Draw Anything with Spencer Nugent on July 10th, and then Visualizing Complex Data, COVID-19 and more on July 21st. Both of these events I'm really looking forward to. And if you want to attend, you can just get your tickets on our website. And as always, remember that all of our live events are free for our members. Yeah, I can't wait for both these events. Uh, And we also have our We Design online exhibition available on our website. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. And share it with your friends, share with colleagues, share with everyone. And now onto this week's topic. Every once in a while, someone will ask me, Sam, how do you do it? How do you create community at the Design Museum? And I am always at a loss for words. Ask me any other question about the museum or design, and I'm full of things to say. I just think deep down, I know community is something you can design and encourage, but I'll be totally honest, I have don't have the vocabulary or the toolkit behind the community work we do. We just sort of do it. I usually tell people something like, oh, we're just good at bringing people together, but that is not a good enough answer. And community is too important not to have that vocabulary. And so uh, we're all able to connect through our phones and social media, but humans crave coming together. And it's something extremely important to us. Uh, COVID-19 is certainly not helping us in terms of coming together. 
Um, but we really want to try to understand community and figure out how we can make community happen. And to help us do that, we have a special guest co-host. Sarah Siegel is a product and community builder who advises and invests in profit for purpose companies. She's a lifelong learner and has held roles like community manager at GrabCAD, head of community at Dunwello, head of community and experience at Quilt, and more. You can see the pattern there, the word community. Uh, currently, she's an advisor and investor at Rev Boston, amplifying Boston's top women in tech and helping early stage companies. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello. It's so great to be here. To kick things off, I just want to hear about you and how you got into the world of building and growing communities. Um, but first, can you help us even define what a community is? <laughs> yes, the the most uh, important question. I think that it's it's easy to kind of have a convoluted answer or to make it sound more intense or jargony than it really needs to be. But like a community is really just a gathering of people. Mm -hmm. And ideally, it's a gathering of people who are doing it for a reason or a purpose. So what types of communities come to mind? Yeah. So when people are talking about community nowadays, I feel like it's really focused around like organizational communities, whereas in the past, we're used to communities that happened maybe locally or more organically, you know, like with a church, with your job, with your friends, with your family. Um, so I think you can definitely break types down into those buckets. But I really mm -hmm. like to think about it um, purpose first. I'm curious also, since you've worked on online communities, how would you characterize how like sort of the virtual environment creates or allows you to create community? That's such a good question. Because I think a lot of the organic ones are just like, we happen to be in the same physical space at the same time. We're like, we need to figure out how to work together or be together. Um, online communities are interesting because you kind of like coalesce or come together around an idea or like a more abstract goal, not necessarily just like a physical need that's happening in right. the moment. It's pretty, pretty flexible. And that means that it can be almost based on absolutely anything. Yeah. And the purpose can then really drive it, right? It's not like, oh, we just happen to be together. Like you said, it's like, we all care about X or we all want to do Y yeah. and we can be anywhere. And except kind of like a ubiquitous thing, like a Facebook, which just happens to be everywhere all the time mm -hmm. in a virtual community, you're usually opting in to be there. It's usually a place you're like traveling to, you're going to. So with all of these communities that you've been a part of and you've learned about, what are some of the best communities that you've been a part of and what made them so great? I would say, um, like you were mentioning earlier, Sam, the Rev community that I'm in right now is just fantastic. It's a group of women in tech who are coming together to figure out like how to advance their careers or how to make this work matter to our lives and how, how is this more than just a job? How are we kind of being intentional about it? Um, and anytime you can have such a focused group of people who are coming from a diversity of backgrounds but have such a singular focus on what they're trying to um, do, especially within the next like one to five years, uh, you just have like an immediate intimacy and 
bonding and support network because there's so much empathy involved and kind of like implicit with each member. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned empathy, right? Because that really, it's important just as humans, but also when you combine that empathy and that purpose together, like you can get something really special. Yeah, the magic, the magic moments happen when you kind of have um, that combination of we see each other, we see what we want to achieve. Um, Is shared experience like a critical element or do you get that through the community? It's, I don't know, it's like the chicken or the egg type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a really big difference between something that is a just a community and something that's a successful community. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this really amazing talk by Anna Noemi around five traits or characteristics of an enduring community. And... Um, it calls out shared experiences. She she talks about it as like customs and rituals, but really mm. you need those moments that bring a group together and that they can then create kind of like their shared language and like shared expectations and um, all those things that make you feel comfortable. Actually in that same line, like how do you know when a community is healthy, successful, thriving? Are there some things that you can see or measure uh, that make you think, oh yeah, this community is really doing well? If you think of like the movements that are happening right now, like did we get the bill passed? Did we get this on people's minds? Mm. Did we mm-hmm. um, kind of like raise a certain amount of awareness? Um, anything that you can have that's measurable is a good way to kind of keep everybody on the same page of like, are we all moving in the same direction together? Is this what we wanted? And sometimes what you'll notice for a not so healthy community is you'll reach what you thought was your goal. And you'll just know like this doesn't feel right. And you've had this job, right? Community manager. Uh, What does that mean? (laughs) And what did you do as a community manager in these different roles? To give a little insight, I started more in like program management where Mm, like mm -hmm. creating events, creating um, experience for for people, um, educational moments. Anytime I'm like trying to bring people together for like a very particular purpose and you need to like wrangle and say like, this is why this is exciting. You know, this is a need that came from within the community and we're offering it to you. And isn't that fantastic? Um, So I think that's really like the core of it is you're trying to offer value to a group of people who have expressed the need. It's like value for the organization, but also value for each member. And everyone's value could be different, but- For example, at GrabCAD, it was, since it was online, And since a lot of what we were doing was content-focused and innovation-focused, like the sharing of ideas, a lot of what I did was giving people the courage to just share their ideas. For that job in particular, it was like, are you bringing um, more voices to the table? Because it was really about how do we get like anyone who's interested in this idea able to participate and have a voice. 
So a lot mm-hmm. of it was finding new people and where are they? Have you found that your role has shifted now in this kind of virtual time and time of COVID-19? You know, I think we're in a unique position where our community at Design Museum did go from something that was pretty in person to being online. And, you know, I think that's a unique moment. I'm just interested to hear your take on it. I think the whole community industry has kind of shifted because when we first started out, like closer to the 2000s, even like 2010s, a lot of it was like, because you can have this amazing scale, let's do everything online. Um, How do you almost create like touchless, frictionless communities? But then you saw this amazing shift to in-person because even when you're getting together online, if it feels superficial or you don't have that intimacy or you don't have like the reliability of that resource being there for you, you you want something that's more tangible. You want something that you can see and that you can feel. Plus, there's just so much more from an experiential standpoint that you can do in person that's a lot harder to translate online. So there was like this shift to be like everybody had an in-person event that they wanted to do. Um, and now you're seeing people trying to figure out how to bring that back online. So I think it's just like an interesting cyclical thing. Yeah. And certainly something we're trying to figure out, just like let's say, like, how how do we, we have this amazing community and that's like, all right, let's all get on the computer together. And a lot of it is really getting in touch with what's that, um, what's that core reason that we're all getting together? Because Mm. when you get together in person, you can kind of fudge it a lot because you're like, well... I need food. I need a thing for people to look at. I need like a place for them to stand. You can kind of like set up all of those basics. And then because so much magic just happens when people get together and they're the Mm -hmm. right people, um, you Mm. don't have to think as much on like the specifics of the content. But when you take it online, you take away a lot of that razzmatazz. Um, And so you have to really think like, why would someone come without the free pizza or like without the side networking thing that they can you know do on the fly you know why would they even come here yeah it's almost like you're creating like a scaffolding right and when you're in person for them to kind of i know we keep using the word magic but things happen (laughs) when people come together yeah well i'm just i'm interested in how design plays a role here in building community and i to add to that question how does it play a role on online communities and then in-person communities? Because I I genuinely think usually about like in-person communities, but where we're going, there's going to be a lot of online communities. So I'm wondering if you could answer. Maybe it's the same answer. Interesting. You know, <laughs> I, think I don't know. I think it's like the the same in its essence where the way they overlap is really just the intentionality of what you're doing and knowing that every every choice is um, like sending a subtext or like setting a tone, whether you mean to or not. Uh, so you might as well purposefully kind of pick it um, and make sure that it matters and that it works for your community. So that's where I see a ton of the like design and community building overlap is like you're really thinking it's very like human centered. It's very people first and you're starting first from this idea of like, okay, there's like a job that needs to be done. There's like a need that needs to be filled. And how can we do that while also creating the sense of um, belonging and doing that by just getting people together? So 
you know, I'm wondering, basic question, but why are communities so important? And I think there's an important context here where, you know, especially during COVID and Black Lives Matter and intense partisanship, uh, is this important and why? Yeah, I think everybody's been thinking a lot about this, even more so in the past few weeks and days. But the idea that um, people just don't want to feel alone. (laughs) It sounds like um, oversimplistic, but the idea that you, yeah, you want to know, um, there's almost like a disorientation that happens if you don't know who you belong with or where you belong or what you're doing. Um, And these are almost like spiritual questions. And one term that I use a kind of regularly with my own like friend group, but I don't know what it really means. I'm interested if you've ever heard this is just social health. You know, you have your physical health, you have your mental health, your social health. And I feel like communities and the conversation around social health are so interconnected in how there is a need there to have this kind of support system and whatever social health is. Again, I don't know if I really know how to define it, but I'm interested if that if that um, makes you think of anything or, you know, if you've ever heard that term. It makes total sense to me. And I've really been thinking lately about how there's been this shift of when I was growing up, the idea was like, individualism and self-reliance and how can you take whatever you've been given and turn it into something amazing the idea of a more communal mindset of like i don't exist in a vacuum i exist within a group of people um just wasn't talked about it was it was almost implicit because there were those structures that you had whether it was school or um wherever you go, like every week as part of like a ritual to be together with other people. Right. Um, but it's, it's now, thankfully, thank goodness, um, a thing that we're thinking about, which is you don't have to skew so far on like the individual community spectrum, the way we are, at least in the US, you can bring it back. And it's actually healthier to bring it more into alignment of saying, um, so what does this mean for my community? And having that not be um, like a touchy-feely question, like how is this impacting the people around me? How is this impacting the environment around me? It's like a more normalized conversation. I think that like idea of like social health totally plays into that concept of like, I'm not on my own. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Sarah. This is great. Yeah. Listeners, check out Rev Boston. It's pretty cool. It's part award, part event, and part community, of course. And it's all about amplifying female talent. So visit Rev, R-E-V, Boston.org. Sarah, stay with us. We'd love to have you join our conversation with Sasha Mombarts from the Office of Visual Affairs and Community Canvas. Join us on September 19th at 8 p.m. for Design Night Live. A Saturday night filled with design sketches, games, familiar faces, the unveiling of our first online exhibition, and so much more. During this member-only virtual event, you will live curate an exhibition featuring your favorite examples of great, impactful design. We will be giving away spectacular prizes, sharing the vision and impact of Design Museum Everywhere, and hearing from designers from around the world about the designs they can't live without. 
the night will culminate in an online design museum exhibition opening featuring design that is impacting each and every one of us. Become a Design Museum Everywhere member to attend, and if you're already a member, just refer a friend and you'll both attend for free. Get your tickets today at designnightlive.org. And we're back, and we're joined by this week's special guest. Sasha Mombarts is a multidisciplinary design director and the founder of the Office for Visual Affairs, which is a pretty cool name for a company. Uh, there, he works with early stage projects and startups. He's focused on creating precise, concise, and engaging messaging, branding, web, and mobile applications. In 2017, Sasha and two other community-loving friends of his created the Community Canvas, which is a framework that will help you build a community. I recently used the Community Canvas and found it extremely useful, and so I'm very excited to welcome Sasha to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm also really stoked to be here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're psyched, and I want to give a shout out to our council member, Sean Torkelson, who connected us. We definitely want to hear all about the Community Canvas, but first, uh, and we talked about this a bit with Sarah, I'd be curious uh, to have you define community for us, and, and what does community mean to you? Um, yeah, it's a great question. It's a really difficult one too. It's funny, you know, people <laughs> yeah. talk about it a lot. To me, there, there's kind of a spectrum of communities mm. and what you really want is a strong community. And depending on what you're doing, that community is kind of, di is different, but you know, I've, <clears throat> so the, I've spent, you know, the last couple of years working on the community canvas and in the last year I've been kind of rethinking what it actually, what's, what is sort of the most common denominator of communities. And the three things that I came to that, that are currently the, the, the three most common things are belonging, trust, and resilience. Those three things are also in a spectrum and, and the stronger those are, the, the better I would say is, it is for your community. So, I mean, you're clearly really passionate about communities here and what sparked this uh, passion? Where did this come from? I went to school here in New York, but because of my father's job, I moved around quite a bit growing up. So, you know, I, um, I, I was born in Malta. My mother's from Malta. I lived in Ethiopia and Thailand and Egypt and in Texas for a little bit before moving to New York. So um, I think, you know, um, and then, in, you know, I was working as a designer and then I got to, I met Fabian uh, maybe like 10 or more years ago. And he was building this community called Sandbox that I became a member of. And then he approached me in 2017 and said, hey, do you want to create this, um, this kind of guidebook that I want to create? Because lots of people asking me, are asking me how I created Sandbox and how, give them and they want some guidance. And so we started collaborating on this and I realized, oh, wow, you know, I really, there is something really deep inside of me that I feel so connected to this topic. And I think it is because I was, I moved around a lot. I always had to adjust. I had to find my way in new communities and adapt. And you're sparking something in me that's making me think, do you have to kind of know yourself before you can figure out what community is best for you? Is there actually a process here before finding your community that is part of your process? I don't know, but I, I'm curious. Working on community is also always working on yourself. Because if you think about it, when we talk about trust and these bonds that you have between individual peoples and then within your group, this bond, you know, it's like a line that starts with you somewhere 
and it ends somewhere with me. And we are creating that bond maybe over a specific thing. We had an experience that was especially shaped, you know, shaped us in a, in a way or shaped our sort of uh, experience or around a certain topic that we care about. So it's like that, that anchor point where that um, happens. And maybe you have multiple anchor points, but it's also, and because of that, it is also something that is really about yourself. I wonder uh, if you could share some of your favorite communities that you've been part of. You know, I think Sandbox was a great uh, community here in New York for me and globally also because it was quite, uh, it were people all over the world. So that was a community of sort of young entrepreneurs. Um, it, the idea was also quite nice. It was what happens if sort of change makers or people who would be change makers in their 40s and 50s, what happens if they meet earlier in life in their 20s? And so uh, you had all these young people with all these crazy ideas, and it was just really nice to meet them and be together and talk about all the crazy projects. Yeah, what made the community special? Was that ability to like share ideas? Was it that you were all sort of like coming from the same place? Mm. I think the fact that everybody came from a different place was really good. It was actually quite diverse, uh, diverse in the sense that people were, you know, from all from many different countries, Europe, Asia, South America, the US. And it was just really great having that sort of exchange. And I think there was a, also a very strong openness. People wanted to connect with others and learn from others. And that was really powerful. Burning Man is also one that's pretty interesting, especially because they have this whole idea of um, uh, the, the barter economy, they call it something else, um, but that it's uh, that there's no money and you just give and people take what you need. I read um, one of your articles on Medium around this idea of like storytelling being so intrinsic to community building and to a community in general, like. What brought you to kind of unmask the idea of like how important stories are both in your work, I would assume as like an artist and a designer and in community building? Um, yeah, you know, I think that's the designer in me. It's it because it is about communication and it's about being concise and precise. And, you know, I feel like we live in an increasingly overwhelming world. There's lots of information. Sadly, there's also a lot of fake information, which just adds to the amount of complexity that we have to deal with. And so being able to tell your story in, in simple ways is, is, is really powerful. And I think there is something about simplicity, too. Um, we, we had these uh, design principles in, in the original Community Canvas, and um, one of them was like, uh, cheap and simple always wins. And it's, and, you know, People produce really high, you know, high production value events, and those are great. But ultimately, or sometimes these events can feel a little formal. And when you do things in a cheap and simple way, they're, they turn out to be less, they turn out to be more informal. And the truth is that we all connect much more or much better in an informal way. All right. So I'd love to talk about Community Canvas for a second. And I'd love to know what was the challenge or the opportunity that you and your co-creators saw when you decided to launch Community Canvas? Like what was, you know, what what kind of started it? And then from there, what was the process of developing it? 
it was really a Fabian and Nico's idea originally um, because they had started the, the sandbox um, and they had gotten lots of questions from people of how, hey, how, how did you do this? How did you do that? And so they were like, we should just write down our sort of findings. And um, they started doing that. Fabian approached me and said, hey, can you help me design this and maybe make a book out of it? And I started digging through the material and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. But like, there is like, the, this could be much more clear. And there's lots of things that are maybe not consistent. So I kind of brought my designer design thinking lens to this, like, who's the audience? How do we communicate this? Is this, you know, uh, is this more for a business context or a nonprofit or, and keeping all those things in mind, we tried to create something that applies to as many different people as possible. Uh, like I said, I used the canvas recently. I know we're totally in audio format here, but I wonder if you kind of like walk us through it a bit. Um, and kind of give us a sense of how the canvas is. We'll definitely post it on the episode page, but I wonder if you can kind of give us a, you know, the nickel tour of the canvas. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of identified three uh, main sections, which are identity, experience, and structure. And then within those three sections, we identified 17 themes, and we tried to put them in, in those different uh, sections. And the idea is that, you know, 17 is quite a big number, uh, and Canvas ultimately is like a 60-page PDF. It's quite overwhelming, actually. But the idea was, <laughs> you know, depending on what your community is and what stage you're in of your community, it makes sense to pick out the themes that seem most important to you right now and to your members or things that you feel like there's conflict around or challenges or growth opportunities, and to just pick those and have a conversation around them, answer some of the questions that we provided, and work yourself through the canvas in that way. It's not necessarily thought to be sort of a linear thing where you start um, in one place and end up somewhere else. It's, it's a bit of pick your own journey. So I'm curious how you've seen the canvas used successfully and what the impact has been. So it's interesting because, you know, when we started the project, my expectation was if 5,000 people download the canvas, I'd be amazed and incredibly happy. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we never really tracked how many people downloaded it because we wanted, to be, we wanted it to be free. So it's over 100,000. So that's been pretty incredible. And because of that, so many different kinds of people have used it. And it, it's blown me away how, you know, how people brought it into their own process. Um, so um, someone from uh, Changemaker Exchange, uh, they used it as sort of, they had a giant Zoom get together with like 80 people. And then they used the canvas as kind of their framework to run the meeting and divvy up different questions to different teams. And oh, then people cool. would go work on it and come back and answer it. I've seen people um, use it as a benchmarking tool. So they asked their, this was for a nonprofit, they asked their C-level executives and the board members a number of questions from the canvas and then compared the answers to those questions and um, then noticed, oh, there's like, people are not aligned on this or not aligned on that. <laughs> and I, uh, shifting from real place to virtual place, and we, we talked about this a bit with Sarah, 
And this is a totally selfish question because this is something we're trying to figure out at the museum. How have you seen good in-person communities transition to being online or online and in-person? I think, you know, the, it is it is really challenging because I feel like there's so much information too that happens in a physical environment that gets exchanged from the way you talk, uh, your gestures, your expressions, and some of it translates through video and sound, but not as much, right? And it's often quite hard to get the sentiment um, of someone through through these digital means. But in the end, I think what's really important is um, conversation, breakout rooms, and doing things in smaller circles rather than bigger groups can be yeah. very powerful. Because if you have an in-person meeting, a group, you know, you can have 50 people in a room or 40, and it's easy to just go around from one smaller group to the other and have a very natural conversation and see and feel the energy of the room and go to wherever you're, you're drawn to and, and interact in, in, in different conversations, which in the virtual world is actually quite difficult. Yes. And there's a bunch of tools that are trying to do that where you can go from you know, one place to the other. It's a bit awkward because you know, we're, there's our avatar that's just <laughs> there, not our whole self, smaller, one-on-one, two-three kind of interactions is actually really powerful. For me, I feel like what what's what actually this whole thing did was I've had much more of those, and it's been really nice to have deeper, longer conversations with just one or two other people. Yeah. What, how about the actual? You know, we talked to Sarah about the um, the scaffolding, right? In in a physical environment, that's the events. That's the meetings, it's the food. And I wonder if you've seen good digital scaffolding. <laughs> I like this, there's also this this thing, uh, I think this was part of our design principles that people come for the content, but they mm -hmm. stay for the people. And so it's, you know, I think having a very strong specific theme that people feel really relates to them is great because that draws them in and then giving them the opportunity to talk to other people. You really need, like you're saying, like that structure is much more important when you don't have the normal um, physical reminders of like what the flow of the event will be. And you're just kind of this blob in space. So the idea of reminding people like you would even on the podcast of like, this is our structure. This is how we'll move through it. This is my role that I'm here to help with. This is your role while you're here. I was gonna say the, um, your point about the facilitator or moderator, uh, community weaver, you know, I guess they all have such so many different names. And I think it's actually great to choose a name that makes most sense for, for your community is really an important person and much more so now because again, in our regular environment, you, things can kind of moderate themselves um, automatically. Um, and, uh, or, you know, and, and, but when you're in this virtual environment where there's a lag, where there's, again, you're missing all this information, it's really great to have somebody who can lead the conversation, who can pull in people who are maybe not on the screen and, you know, mm. that, that, and it's, it is right. just like you said, sorry, it's all about prep and having that structure and giving people a bit of a heads up just to make up for all that missing information that you don't have in Oh, the yeah. virtual sort facilitation. Of yeah, exactly. I think that's that's like going to be the best skill that anyone can have during COVID. Is good facilitation skills. Agreed.
Okay, so I have two final questions for both of you. And the first one is, what's the most important thing to think about when designing a community? To me, it's very clear. It's um, co-creation. It's involving the people that you're creating the community with. Um, because that's, I think, it creates a sense of belonging. It creates resilience. It also... From a design perspective, right? You want to have a user-centered design. I love that. And I would um, add on top of that, just starting with the why. Like, why are we doing this? What What is the need? Why are, should we be the people who um, are doing this? Because sometimes there's a need for a community, but you're not the right person um, to lead it or to organize it. So that's when bringing in those stakeholders is, is super, super important. You, you said the why, which is extremely important. Um, it, there is a friend of mine, uh, Michelle Bachman, who wrote an article about uh, his, his whole idea was like, don't start with why, start with who, because that's what matters most. And it's, I think it's an interesting approach. I still, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure out like what is the truth, and maybe it's a little bit of both, or it maybe also again depends what what community um, you're building, right? But I think those two mm -hmm. are definitely important. So you know, right now especially, I think there are many people looking for a community. What advice would you give them, and what is the most important thing to think about when looking for a community? Community is so personal. It's tough to give like a really general, like this is how you find community <laughs> advice. But for me, especially recently, what I've gone back to is just creating really strong relationships with the groups that are already important to me and, and places where you might not like think of it as like, I'm finding community here, but just like my um, good friends who don't live near me it's a perfect time because we're all connecting in the same way anyway to just reach out to them and longer term i would say you you just want to feel out what feels natural to you like what are you curious about go find other people who are, are curious about the same thing i would say it's you know find the people and the things you love and then engage so it's very similar to what you're saying sarah but also I think there's something about if you don't find it, you have to create it. I'm going to say there's probably, and this is probably because I'm somewhat of a community designer myself, but there's no better feeling than like being like, there should be a community about this. I'm going to make it. And then even one other person is like, yeah, I'll join on that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like you're similar. It's like, oh, it's intoxicating. I can see Sarah's like, yes, that's why I do what I do. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much to you both. It's a great conversation. We love it. Thank you for joining us, Sasha. We, we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, listeners, check out Sasha's work at the Office for Visual Affairs at officeforvisualaffairs.com. And also be sure to check out the community canvas. Uh, there's the canvas and there's a bunch of other handy tools like we talked about, like worksheets and the quick start guides. Uh, and it's, it's just a really cool way to design your community. Uh, so visit community-canvas.org.
Now for our weekly dose of good design, where we share an example of good design that impacted us or others in a meaningful way. This week, I will kick things off. My weekly dose of good design is a video, uh, or I guess a performance, if you will. So a, a Portland State University graduate by the name of Madison Hallberg, she was preparing to record a video of her singing the national anthem uh, for the PSU virtual graduation. And so I'll, I'll try to set the scene here. So she was warming up and, and singing the anthem and you know practicing. And then a man just like walks up out of nowhere and joins in with the most amazing voice. And then it just turns into this incredible duet. And so I thought I'll share a clip. Uh, here it is. The man walking by and joining in is Emmanuel Henried. He's a trained opera singer based in Portland. And when ABC News interviewed Emmanuel later, he said, it was a beautiful moment that we shared. And in that moment, I realized that it's essential for us to raise our voices in empowerment and in love for one another. Emmanuel is black and Madison is white. And even though they stayed six feet apart in the video, it's just an amazing image of people coming together and it really meant a lot to me and I think a lot of people were touched by it. So we'll post the video. Um, also, Emmanuel has a GoFundMe campaign to support his art. He's a singer who normally sings to big groups of people and that can't happen right now. So he's creating a film. And so we'll post his GoFundMe. Uh, please consider supporting his work. Uh, it's gofundme.com slash F slash Black Opera. Okay, Liz, you're up. Great. So last week, I attended a webinar on how traditional design thinking protects white supremacy. The event was hosted by Creative Reaction Lab and facilitated by members of their team. The presentation included resources, examples to help demonstrate the topic, definitions, surveys. It even had breakout rooms and time for both discussion and reflection. The slides were well-designed and easy to read, and the entire pr presentation was captioned. To me, not only was the webinar incredibly educational and informative, giving me both short-term and long-term next steps, but it was also an incredible example of design. It was clear that the webinar experience was crafted to be accessible, resourceful, engaging, and of course, educational. I definitely recommend checking out Creative Reaction Lab and attending one of their many upcoming webinars. Yeah, that was an awesome virtual event. Okay, Sarah, you are up. My great design that I would want to share with everybody this week is just how impactful the painted Black Lives Matter and defund the police and just using your your city. No, oh, you mean when a, they did it on, right on the street, right? Yeah, using your city as a landscape um, for what's important. And like, it's very design museum, right? Of like, design is everywhere. Um, it's really just waiting to be kind of like colored in and to have your voice be heard. And I think what's great about it is that it's just kind of like amplifying the feeling and like the voices that are out there. I think, of course, knowing just because you write something on the street doesn't 
mean the action that's happening or needs to happen has happened. Um, but just the idea of it as like an, an ignition point and like a conversation starter kind of playing on like Liz, what you're talking about with like just creating those spaces to have discussions. I think that's what great design is all about. Totally. And I, the one that was done in DC, you know, this the yellow letters, like the typography is impeccable. Like how did they make it so perfect? And you could actually see it from space. And it's so incredible. And there's just something wonderful about how many people have to be involved in yeah. order to get it done. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm glad you brought that. Thank you both. Really great examples. Thank you again to Sarah Siegel and Sasha Mombarts for coming on the show this week. You can check out links to some of the things we discussed today on our episode page. Just visit designmuseumeverywhere.org and click on podcast. And while you're there, grab tickets for our next Design Museum live event, How to Draw Anything with Spencer Nugent. And remember that our We Design exhibition is now online, so be sure to check that out. Yes, please check out the exhibition. I hope everyone gets a chance to go through the We Design content. We profile some amazingly talented designers. By the way, we can continue this conversation online. Like us, follow us on Twitter. We're at design underscore museum. On Instagram, we're at design museum everywhere. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find us by searching Design Museum Everywhere. Be sure to subscribe so Design is Everywhere is always in your feed on Thursday mornings. You can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, really wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be there. And we'd love it if you'd rate us and leave us a review. That really helps people find our new show. Sure does. This episode was written by me, Sam Aquilano, and produced by Ryan Flom. And we're edited by David Green. Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For Liz Pollack and the entire team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.